In this edition of the podcast, The Artistic Pivot. When the drive to create takes a turn and propels the artistic compulsion into another direction. We speak with US-based actor and now designer Darren Burrows about his inspiration, his history, and the balance between performance, life, and the art of design. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for listening as we present this special edition of the podcast, discussing the phenomenon of an artist known for one talent, but now channeling that creative ability into a different, pretty much unrelated, but equally artistic practice. First, though, as always, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded anywhere in the world and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And also don't forget that a transcript of this episode is available on our website at www.insidethegallery.com.au and that's thanks to the support from the Australian Arts Channel available to view for free at www.insidethegallery.com australianartschannel.com.au Featuring in more than 20 short and feature films, including Brian De Palma's Casualties of War, alongside Johnny Depp in Crybaby, and in Spielberg's historic epic Amistad, Darren Burrows is further known for appearing in TV series, including 110 episodes of Northern Exposure in the 1990s. So I guess maybe you and your fiance be coming back from a movie about now. Maybe stop by a little cafe for a cup of espresso. Pick up the Sunday edition of the New York Times and some fresh hot bagels for breakfast tomorrow. Uh, how do you know about bagels? Oh, I saw Manhattan. I think Woody's a genius. His portrayal of Ed Chigliak, the ever-eager confidant to others and aspiring filmmaker, earned him and the rest of the Northern Exposure cast a Screen Actors Guild Award nomination for Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series. Ultimately, the series received 57 award nominations and won 27, including the Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Drama Series, two additional Primetime Emmy Awards, four Creative Arts Emmy Awards and two Golden Globes. Today, Darren Burrows remains a performer, most recently in the delightful film Magpie Funeral, about a guy persevering against long odds and mustering the will and courage to succeed in life and love. Did you know magpies have funerals too? You're kidding, right? No, uh, typically a a group of magpies will assemble and uh, one by one they approach the corpse of their dead friend and gently nudge the body. Anyway, one of the magpies will fly away and brings back uh, some pine needles that is laid by the corpse of their friend uh, like an offering. And uh, then they'll all stand vigil for a while and one by one they uh, each fly away. When I last checked, the movie had a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes. But also today, Darren has a further craft, ornate and detailed metal engraving and handcrafted jewellery set with gems that are truly exquisite works of art. Some of the detail is so fine, it takes a microscope to create. You'll find a link to Darren's work in the description of this episode at our website. But first, let's learn about how this creative pivot manifested and what inspires this remarkable re-channeling of talent with Darren Burrows, who's on the phone with us right now. Hey there, Tim. How are you today? Very well, as always. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Darren. Uh, Thank you for having me. 
Darren, growing up, you had a creative pedigree. Your father, Billy Drago, a very popular and in-demand actor. I think he was in more than 80 films. His wife was the developer of the Gallardo method of acting. But in your early years, were there any signs that you might develop a love of creating with your hands? I grew up without my father. And his wife, which I guess would be my stepmom, Silvana, was an actress. But I only met my dad when I was older. Well, older, 16 years old. Right. So... I, I grew up with my mom and not really exposed to any, uh, any kind of arts or anything like that in Kansas. For people that don't know, it's in, it's in the, you know, it's the Wizard of Oz. It's in the Midwest. There's lots of wheat fields and cows and that kind of type thing. First of all, with your acting, where and when did that start? Well, that started because, uh, you know, never having uh, known my father and uh, having daddy issues like probably most kids like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I... Uh, Left home when I was 16 and went to find him and find out what he'd been doing, uh, you know, without me. Wow. And, uh, and he was an actor. Yeah, he was an, and, and he was an actor. Mm. I knew that. My mom had told me he was an actor. Mm. I went to California. I got on the bus, sold my car, got on the bus, went out there, and uh, he picked me up at the bus station, and I met him. And I was just like most, well, I don't know about most boys, but like a lot of boys, I grew up interested in hot rods and motorcycles and uh, things like that. And uh, the only thing turned out my father was ever interested in was acting. Mm. And so uh, I took some acting classes so I'd have something to talk to him about, basically. Wow. So that was kind of my first being exposed to acting, yeah. Did you have any sense of um, self-doubt or, I'm trying to be kind of diplomatic with my words here, but perhaps not feeling fully worthy, not knowing your father until that point? Uh, well, I don't know, you know, at that age, uh, the testosterone's running pretty high. I was pretty angry and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, didn't have much to lose, I guess. Yeah. So when did you start thinking about doing the work with your hands? When did that artistic talent begin to flourish? Oh, that didn't, uh, that didn't really come about until later. My wife and I left California and moved to Missouri and, uh, she got me, it was about eight years ago, I guess. She got me, for my birthday, she got me a, uh, a hand engraving class uh, with, with a, a local hand engraver that I, uh, yeah, it seemed like something I'd like, she thought, and she was right. Only eight years of experience. It's incredible, intricate work, Darren. Now, how do you turn out such lovely work in, with such a short history in the craft? Well, like anything else, well, it's like I always used to tell my boys, I guess, anything you do... That's really the only importance in finding something you like to do in life is that you then do it all the time. Mm. And doing something all the time, you become better at it. It's unavoidable. And so, yeah, I do it like pretty much all day long. Wow. It's beautiful work, no doubt about it. What also struck me was the sketching that you do on the metal before the engraving. It looks kind of like a first draft, but when you use that as the guide for the engraving... It's almost as if you then work some magic. Well, I'm not a very good drawer. That's probably why. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you've, uh, look, I counted, and I may be wrong, and excuse me if I get this wrong. You've got credits in more than 20 films, around 20 TV series, or, or thereabouts as well. There's 110 episodes in, of Northern Exposure you were in. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if there was any time in that whether you felt that there was some other form of art within you. Well, I think all, it's just my opinion, but all good art 
aims at the truth. And so um, not being a formally trained actor, that's uh, what I always aimed at acting and uh, uh, my truth and as I see things. And so uh, I think in the same way, it translates through my hands in what I perceive to be beautiful mm. and what, what, what flows to me. And so that's the best thing I guess yeah. for me about working with my hands and doing the uh, engraving and, and uh, creating the jewelry is, you know, with a film or TV show, you've got at least a hundred people on the set and, and another hundred people in post-production and every one of them, thinks they have an opinion that matter. And some of them do have opinions that matter. And a lot of them have opinions that matter more than yours. And so it just seems like no matter how good you do or try to do or try to express yourself in your truth acting, it's always diluted and watered down to a greater or lesser degree. And sometimes to the point where you're unhappy with your work, but it's not really un unhappy with what you did, but and happy in the way it's been expressed in editing and the shot selection and that kind of thing. We're working with your hands. It's just me. I do what I want. And if nobody likes it, that's fine because I like it. And that's as good as it can be. If it's perfect, it's an offering to God. And, and that's the ultimate truth. And that's the target you aim for. And so when I'm finished doing what I want, the way I want to do it, it couldn't be any more perfect because it is as perfect as I could do it without someone else's input. Yeah, I was going to ask you, in our email correspondence, you appear to be a very mindful person, very aware of the sensitivities of others. And I wonder, when it comes to the pieces that you create, if you haven't communicated or committed to that level of sensitivity, does that dismay you? Do you then discard the work? Yeah, I do. <laughs> See, that's rubbish. Because I couldn't even bear to uh, sell it and have someone else, even if someone else thought it was good, I couldn't bear knowing it was less than it could have been. Yeah. And of course, in the creative process, things happen, and uh, you get you get confined uh, in certain ways because of choices you've already made that are that are irreversible. And so that's not part of what I'm talking about. And uh, and some of them are better to a greater or lesser degree. But if I bungle it, yeah, that nobody sees that. That's probably why you, you, you think the stuff I did is so good is because I never show my failures. Yeah, it's only ever the good stuff that ever ends up online, irrespective of whether that's art or, or just a projection of our best life. That's right. Can I just go back a little bit? After Northern Exposure wrapped, you remained in Los Angeles for about 10 years or so, but eventually relocating to Missouri. Does the rural landscape there offer some better inspiration? I'm, I'm an introvert, really. Right. And a lot of people think that mean, means I don't like people, which is not true. I mm. do like people a lot. Mm. But I think uh, the, the difference, uh, and you, you may know this, but the best description of the difference between an introvert and an extrovert that I've heard is an introvert, when they're around people, it wears them out and saps their energy and drains them. An extrovert, like my wife is an extrovert, uh, she gets energy from being around people. And so... Uh, uh, that's the difference. So being in a city that was just constantly drained my energy and having to, you know, they call it show business for a reason. I was never very good at the show business part. I love the acting part. But going around all the people and all like that, that just wears me out. So ultimately, that's what your motivation was to move? Yeah, well, uh, I never really wanted to be an actor, although I do enjoy acting. I still enjoy it and was suffered some modicum of success of doing it. 
But I went to L.A. for a big adventure. And at a certain point when uh, I was married, um, my wife and I had, I had four boys trying to raise them in the city. The acting just became a job, and it wasn't, I wasn't having a big adventure anymore. And we reached the age where I knew I didn't want to retire there, and if we didn't leave and make another life somewhere else, I was going to end up retiring there. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something else. You spoke about how you received that engraving course from your wife as a gift. Have you from that point on, though, been pretty much self-taught? Well, uh, I read a lot. I read I read books, and I stu- and I study uh, great great what I perceive to be great work that I see, and also um, you know, and a lot of that's available on social media. So I and on mm. YouTube. So I follow um, some master engravers, and it's just like anything else. You do it all the time. You become better at it. Yeah, but I just wonder about bad habits you may pick up, and because you don't have a an immediate mentor or a teacher looking over your shoulder at some point, it takes me longer to learn everything doing it that way. Mm. But mm. Uh, I'm very detail oriented anyway, and and suffer from being a little bit of a perfectionist. So living in that tiny world is probably uh, it's probably a good place for me. <laughs> I know. It takes great focus, uh, Darren. I'm thinking you and I are, are close to the same age, but the one thing that, that really starts to annoy me working in, in broadcast and stuff is that my, my eyesight is not as good as it was. Do you have frustrations in, in that sense? Perhaps you don't necessarily have the physical dexterity or the eyesight that you used to? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the dexterity, not so much. Well, I haven't suffered that. I don't have arthritis or anything like that, thankfully. And yes, I, I don't see well at all. Probably it is definitely worse than it was five years ago. But luckily, they have microscopes and, you know, jewelry mm. loops and, uh, mm. and reading glasses. The engraving then led to the jewelry creation. Was that a type of natural evolution, do you think? No, uh, I started with the engraving, and then someone asked me, and I probably took it the wrong way, but they asked me, do you make your own jewelry, or do you only engrave other people's things? Mm. And I thought, well, what do they mean by that? I said, well, maybe I, oh, I can make something. And so I started making jewelry and things like that, and I learned all that stuff on YouTube mostly. <laughs> and. Uh, Getting down to the practicality of your craft, what type of tools are you using? Oh, I got a whole shop full of stuff. It's like, I don't know if I make any money. It, you know, it's like anything else. Oh, you need this yeah. thing and you need that thing. And boy, I got a whole workshop, everything from propane and oxygen for fire. And uh, and for, for I melt my own gold and silver and, and forged all my own jewelry, hand fabricated. The the engraving probably is the least uh, equipment. You know, I for hand engraving I use a little air driven uh, hand engraver, uh, and so I have that uh, in my microscope. And boy, I don't know all kinds of stuff. And your studio, that's substantial. Well, I took over our living room. I moved all the furniture out. It's probably twenty five by. 20 feet. And then I got some more stuff out in the shop. I like to be in the house with it so that uh, otherwise my wife and I never see each other. Is there any other tools that, that you've developed yourself that you found that perhaps there's nothing in the market that you wanted and you and you put something together yourself? Oh, well, you know, you're always modifying tools and heating something up and bending it to hold a particular thing, thing the way you want it held or 
Uh, and of course, you got to sharpen and make all your own gravers and, and the little chisels you use for uh, hand engraving and like that. So um, it's uh, it's 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 the further you get into it, the more you go, boy. I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah, I just I need this one little thing to be a little bit different. So yeah, and luckily, I think Darren, you have the the skills to be able to create those things. But how about those times that all creatives suffer when you don't have the inspiration or the mood or just not then? Perhaps the jeweler's version of writer's block. I'm lucky that, you know, uh, I live on a little farm now. Mm-hmm. We raise little red Dexter cattle, uh, registered red Dexters. I got some pigs in the back. I got a bunch of chickens. I don't know if you can hear them squawking every now and then. We got some ducks. So these days I probably only spend half of my day, unless I'm on a project I'm deep into. But I always got to stop and go feed the animals in the evening and things that take take my conscious mind off of what I'm doing yeah. and allow my subconscious to form the solution from for whatever. And then the other thing is, I'm sure I'm not the only one to say this, the other thing is to work anyway. You just work. You do it because that's it's time to do that, and, and uh, you find the solution in the working. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a writer, I think, sometimes. I think you, writers say that. Yeah, you open the page... And you think, I've got 1,200 words to fill here for some sort of article for a, for a newspaper or a website. And I think sometimes all I do is just start writing. Even if the first bit is rubbish, I can always go back and redo it. But you can't necessarily do that with jewellery, though. You know, there's a reason that works, because that's what, that's what you have to do. I mean, if, you create, if, you're, if, you, if you're attempting to be a creator, then sit down and create and the, and, and the solution. And sometimes it doesn't come out, but... Uh, you know, uh, you put in a new sheet of paper and, 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 and now you're going and it's the same thing. Sometimes I throw stuff away, but now I'm going and I get out the metal and I know where I'm going and I'm, and I'm headed there. Even if the first one was uh, a dud. Sometimes, however, other factors hold you back from your art. Looking at your history, I think I've got it right that you got COVID in January, 2022. Pretty seriously, I understand. Oh yeah. That, that laid you out for how long? Oh, that was quite a while. That was almost a year I to get my, by the time I, uh, well, I don't think it had to be that way, but yeah, because that was when everybody was in the middle of, uh, well, I don't know about the middle, but over here, they were telling people, stay home until you're dying and then go to the emergency room. They wouldn't help you uh, in any kind of... Uh, you know, early stages way. And so by the time I went in there, I had pneumonia and, uh, and I'd been in, and I'd been in bed for like a month. And so I'd lost all my, uh, my muscles were atrophied. By the time I got out of the hospital, I couldn't even walk to the bathroom without sitting down and taking a rest with my oxygen tank. It was pretty bad. Yeah. I wasn't doing much creating then, but, uh, I was praying. <laughs> I was getting closer yes. to the truth. <laughs> And not long after that, apparently, you, you suffered an injury to your arm as well. Yeah, I did. I was probably because I was trying to do too much, uh, mm. trying to get, because get, my wife had been doing, driving the tractor, doing all the farm work herself, trying to, you know, worried to death about me. Uh, so, yeah, I did. I hurt my arm. I ended up having to have shoulder, having to have surgery on that. And mm. So, yeah, it was quite a year. Did you get frustrated with yourself not being able to do your practice? There was nothing else to do. Uh, I don't know about frustrated, but I realized it was it was good. It was good. Uh, I guess a lot of people say that, but it was good. And I realized it was good at the time because I realized things like of, of all the things that aren't important. And I, not that I thought things were important that weren't important, mm-hmm. but you tend to get swept away in your daily 
I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm in control of that and trying to be in control of things. And it's really uh, good to realize to a reminder, a good reminder that I'm really not in control of anything. And I'm going to enjoy each day as long as God wants me to. And then I won't be doing that here anymore. Thinking of the skills that you've now acquired or, or developed, is there a bit of a legacy you think now that you you have to pass on eventually? No, I don't. I'm not. I don't think I'm not conceited to think that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do. I do wish I'd started it sooner because you know, well, you said we're about the same age. I start looking, going, wow. No matter how good I get, or how how much no matter how much progression I not necessarily good, but no matter how much progression I make in this art form, I don't have enough. I don't have the same amount of time to progress in it as I would have if I'd started it ten, fifteen, twenty years earlier than I did. Yeah, I look I, again. I think it's remarkable the quality of the work that you are turning out, considering it's been an eight-year uh, journey for you. But in terms of that. Every artist has an elusive piece or an elusive commission. Is there any work of art that's missing from your portfolio? What would you still dearly love to create? Or have you done everything that you want to do? Oh, no, I haven't done everything I, I want to do. There's technical gem setting skills. I'm working on castle setting and uh, uh, things like that. And uh, there's... I, I find the interesting thing is this, this, this is probably like writing or like mo most art forms I would think is that uh, at a certain point, the pieces take on a life of their own and some pieces that I wasn't that, well, I won't say wasn't that interested in, but wasn't that deep into, I finish and it is like, uh, I go, wow, that's like my new favorite piece I've done right there. And, and, and I look back and, and it is a gradual immersion into the piece that I didn't know was coming and I wasn't setting out to make any, you know, kind of masterpiece and not that it is a masterpiece, but for me, I find a certain wholeness and full circle and I wouldn't say perfection, but for, you know, a certain uh, epiphany in it, I guess. Is there a favorite piece you have or perhaps the materials in that piece that make it your favorite? Well, I like the knife I just put up on social media. Uh, yeah. I saw that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. And that's another one of those pieces that uh, I didn't realize it was going to be that beautiful. But I just, it's pro very, the thing I like about it is very process oriented. You just start out and you do the steps and pay particular attention to each line and each step of the project if you're building a piece. And in the end, all those steps, you step back and you look and go, wow, that came out pretty neat. Or you go, well, it really didn't come out at all. What I uh, found astonishing is that you show the knife and, and the engraving to the camera, and then remarkably, as you bring it closer, there's just this absolute finery of detail, which is astonishing to see. I mean, I'd love to see the process, but you must be working in the tiniest of spaces with the tiniest of tools to make this work. Oh, yeah, with and with a microscope, and it's many, many hours of uh, where, yeah, if probably if you step back, it doesn't seem like you're getting much done. But, but it's yeah, it's it's very detail and process oriented, and and I and I guess that's what I enjoy about it. The end result is nice when it comes out, and a lot of people say, well, that must take a lot of patience. I hear that a lot, but really, it's the other way around. It builds the patience. It gives you the patience. Mm. Doing this gives the patience. I'm not really a patient person, but I've become patient doing this. Can I talk about your acting for a second, particularly Magpie Funeral, which is a delightful film, the wonderful character of Cy McMurphy. 
what did it take to have you step out of what you're doing in your regular life and say, you know what, I'm going to put my hand up for this movie? What did it take to take the loop out of your hand and say, I'm going to give this a crack? Well, uh, that's because my friend Greg Green wrote it and directed it, and uh, mm-hmm. he had directed me in a little short idea uh, called The Telltale Heart and Edgar Allan Poe, and I really enjoyed working with Greg so much, and I enjoyed the way that piece came out so much. So Greg called me and said, hey, I'm going to write this thing. Would you would you do the do the part? And I said, well, you know, okay. Well, let me see it. And and sure, Greg, uh, I can never refuse you. And so and because at this point for me, that's the uh, you know that's the part I remember about working. People see the work on the screen when you're acting, but for me, I remember what was happening that day, the people I worked with, what I had for lunch, uh, you know, all kinds of different things like that. And so. For me, the experience with Greg on the Telltale Heart, I thought, yeah, I would enjoy spending some days with Greg and doing some fun stuff together. And so that's why I agreed to do that uh, when he wrote that script. So given that you were doing that, you'd established your art practice. Do the two works of art, the two styles of art, the two types of art, did they get in the way of each other in your mind? Well, only that I couldn't do one while I was doing the other, but... (laughs) Really, it's it's the same art. Really, it's just it's just me, and it's always me. And and I think we have a certain you know we have a, all of us have a connectivity in our human in our humanness and our and and the way we experience life as humans. And so when someone approaches any art from a place of truth, another human, at least me, I will recognize in another artist that truth, the truth that they're expressing, and that's what will appeal to me in all, you know, varied forms of arts and styles of arts. I mean, I can think of all the styles and different paintings, and I can be touched by all the great artists who do all the different styles of painting, and it's because of uh, the place of truth that they're painting from, and that's the same with music and writing. And um, and so uh, for me, if people enjoy my art and, there's a, and they enjoy my different arts, then I, the only thing I can think of is, is it's all it's all coming from the same place. It's just a different expression or different a discipline of expressing the same thing. So just before we go, I, and I've done this with a number of other performers who have expressed their art in another practice, and I'm borrowing this from James Lipton at the Actors Studio. I'd love to ask you a few quick-fire questions to wrap up. Is that cool? Uh, yeah, I'll try not to get the answers wrong. I don't think there are any wrong answers, Darren, but let's, <laughs> let's kick it off. Okay. Your favourite film, apart from your own? Oh, that's a tough one. The first thing that pops into my head, but it's not my favorite film, is It's a Wonderful Life, but it would be a... Uh, or Citizen Kane, maybe. That's a good one. I like the classics. Your favorite actor? Gee, that's a tough one, too. I sure like Michael Kane, and I sure like Clint Eastwood. Your favorite song? My favorite song? about Ave Maria? A general preference, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Boy, when I was younger, I liked the Beatles, and when I got older, I liked the Rolling Stones, but I probably was in a more rude place at that time. An automobile or a motorbike? I've ridden my motorcycle all over the United States for thousands of miles at a time, but these days, I only ride it to the post office or for a cup of coffee or a dessert, and I mostly stick to the car, so it's an age thing, I guess. Does pineapple ever belong on pizza? Well, I've eaten it, but probably not. One place you'd like to visit, but you haven't. Oh, I'd like to get to Rome. What's your favorite word? Probably, oh boy. I seem to say that a lot these days. What's your least favorite word? Well, no. I guess I don't like the word no. 
What sound or noise do you love? I kind of like the silence these days, but uh, I guess it's never really silent. I hear the train in the distance right now and some chickens and uh, and like that. So I guess, and the wind blowing a little bit right now. I'm outside. So uh, yeah, that's probably what I like. What sound or noise do you hate? Traffic and people yelling and screaming and angry. and. Outside of the arts, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I don't know about attempt at this point, but um, boy, I appreciate clean lines in anything. So, you know, welding, uh, masonry, building things, I think, uh, I don't know about over there, but they don't teach any of that stuff in school anymore. I think it's a real loss, the trades, you know, I think Mm. I I liked, I would have liked to have been a tradesman, I think. I think I would have been a tradesman if I hadn't run off looking for my dad. That really messed me up. The biggest surprise you ever got? Being a success at anything, I guess. If you could do it all over again, Darren, what would you change? Boy, knowing what I know now, I'd probably change almost everything. I don't go for, I don't understand those people that say, oh, I wouldn't change anything. Metaphysically or theoretically, you could say, well, that all made you who you are today, and so I wouldn't change anything. But most of my life seems trying to put a smooth finish on a big mistake. I guess I'd probably change most things, but I'd probably just goof it all up in a different way. So there you go. Now, I know you have a strong belief, but what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome, good and faithful servant. It's lovely. Darren, thank you so much for your time on the podcast today. It was a pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. That's Darren Burrows there, really sharing from the heart, I think, about life and the rechanneling of creative talent into other art practices. Now, if you do want to take a look at Darren's art, it's available to see on Etsy, in fact. He trades under the name of Metal Maniac Art, one word. But there is a link in the description of this episode at www.insidethegallery.com.au. And if you want to take a look at the film Magpie Funeral, in some territories I note it's available on Prime Video, but it's also on Tubi, and I saw that you can see it on YouTube. And those links are also available in the description of this episode, as well as links to our Facebook and Instagram pages if you want to keep in touch. Thanks for your continued interest in the podcast. And until the next edition, I'm Tim Stackpool. Bye-bye for now.